the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We'll begin reading Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 3. Therefore, let us get past the elementary stage in the teaching about the Christ, advancing on to maturity and perfection and spiritual completeness, doing this without laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of teaching about washings, ritual purifications, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. These are all important matters in which you should have been proficient long ago, and we will do this, proceed to maturity, if God permits. The author is the Spirit of God, and I want to bring that again to your attention. The author is the Spirit of God. He knows their condition better than they do themselves, and do you really think these people thought of themselves as being dull? I doubt it. The Spirit of God is giving them a revelation of their condition, which only the Spirit of God can do. No man is equipped to do it. He sees us as we are, sheep who are in need of a shepherd. And this is a wake-up call. He says, I have a lot to say to you concerning the Melchizedekian high priesthood of Christ, but you are immature, self-satisfied in your Christian life. Now, the word dull is, in the original language, the word Nothras, sluggish of mind, slow of thought. It is spiritually lethargic. It's not about intellectual capacity or scholarship. There were well-studied men in there, and I'm sure that they prided themselves on what they knew. But they had become deaf to the Spirit. The Hebrew believers were abandoning growth for an external righteousness that it could be achieved through Judaism, something that they were familiar with, something that seemed normal for their history. Verse 12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers because of the time you had to learn these truths, you actually need someone to teach you again these elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. And you have 
come to be continually in need of milk. Now, what does the author mean by elementary principles? The elementary principles of God's word. The Greek word is stoikion. And it's a term that was used of the ABCs of Greek understanding. The author is referring to their first encounter with scriptures regarding the Messiah in the Old Testament. And some of your translations may say the oracles of God, which again is a, is a reference to Old Testament teaching. Remembering that he is writing to Hebrew believers who were taught the Old Testament from an early age. Also, at their conversion, remember that they did not have a New Testament laying about. So what they did is they studied outside, if they didn't have the apostle there to bring the word, they studied the Old Testament scriptures looking for the Messianic text and how that Jesus fulfilled those Messianic texts. He's referring to that which they had heard from their teachers concerning the Messiah and what was fulfilled in Jesus. Now, you need to go back to where you began, is what he's telling them. You've unfortunately lost the truth of the scriptures, the messianic scriptures. Verse 13, for everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a spiritual infant. And in verse 13, it is translated unskilled, but the Greek word is apiros, apiros. And it means inexperience or without experience. That is, they have heard it and know the word of righteousness. And Mike used to say, we know a whole lot more than we live to, don't we? Well, that's what's going on here. They heard it. They knew it. But it was just a knowledge. They had not lived in the truth consistently. They were inexperienced in appropriating the truth and living they were inexperienced in living by the Spirit. They had made an acquaintance with the truth of the new covenant, of the righteousness that was now theirs, but it was not their context for living. Now, we have a lot of teaching. We have a lot of understanding. But it will not do you a bit of good if you are not yielded to the Spirit of God to take what you have learned, because what he reveals, he appropriates, he puts into us. You see, Scripture is not telling us what he will do. It's telling us what he has done and will appropriate in our lives if we will yield by faith and walk in it. Well, they were becoming stagnant in all these things because they decided to live on an external righteousness, something they could put on rather than living by faith in the righteousness of Christ. Why are they inexperienced? Because they're infants, napias, or little child. I said this last time. When my children were babies, did they know life beyond their needs? Did they understand what life was about? When they were infants... They slept or screamed through much of their infancy and experienced very little of life. Life for them was getting fed, getting the diaper changed, right? They couldn't experience the joy of truly loving or even appreciating the ride in a car. They were too immature to experience true life. That's what the immature Christian goes through. 
That's why they have difficulty. Because they haven't learned to trust God. They haven't seen the God who sustains them to sustain them in every circumstance, in every situation. Now, is God your provision just when you need provision? Or is he not your provision 24-7? Is he not your constant nurture and provision? Yet it seems that sometimes only Christians recognize this in the time of need. I don't know what they attribute their provision to the rest of the time. Is God your protection only when you need protection? Or is he constantly protecting you? But if he didn't allow things to come in and threaten us, we would not mature in the truth of the God that protects us. We would not grow. My children's immaturity kept them from knowing or really wanting to know many things. They would have been content to remain on baby food. The Holy Spirit is reminding these believers that they were made to mature. That's what we're talking about today. Maturity is not something that you have to go and get God to visit upon you. Maturity is literally something he created you for. And as we go along in the scriptures, you're going to understand that you've been fully equipped to mature. That you're being invited to grow and mature in truth. This is not something you have to go out and attain for yourself. This is something that you enter into by faith and by the practice of growing in truth, you mature. And maturity allows you a certain amount of confidence. I could throw my car keys in the lap of an infant and they would have very little comprehension of what I was trusting them with or what the value of those things were. They would go immediately in their mouth. But God has many things that he has surrounded us with that we have only begun to understand and comprehend the value of them, the blessing of them, the very glory and manifestation of the God that we worship in the midst of them. Why? Because we have the problem of being immature. We are not grown to the point where we see it. Our maturity is dependent on more than intellectual understanding. You may think yourself mature. But if you don't know the value of studying the word of God, of prayer, of the assembly of the believers, then you're deceiving yourself. Maturity is dependent on the practice of living by faith in obedience to truth. Verse 14. But solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. Do you want to grow in truth, or are you presuming that you've already grown enough? The path that you're on is eternal, and I said this last time, to presume that you've arrived is really an arrogant presumption. There should be a difference in what you feed an infant and what you feed older children. How does the Spirit of God describe the mature? He says, those who practice having their senses trained, and the word for senses is aestheterion, aestheterion, which means or speaks of how we think, how we judge, how we evaluate. And training is the word, Greek word gymnazo, which we get our word gymnasium from. 
So what is going on here? There is a constant exercise. There is a vigorous exercise of truth. That's how we grow. That's how we gain spiritual discernment. This again is living by faith as a new creation. We're not talking about logic. This is about the practice of listening and yielding to the Spirit of God. It requires a soul that doesn't seek its own way, but is determined to walk in the fullness of truth. The immature is tossed about by every wind of doctrine. The immature will give himself to the disposition of his soul. And I see that so often. Christians who interpret God's will by the disposition of the soul. What they're feeling, their circumstances, how things are hitting them, right or wrong. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't work through those things, but I'm saying that's a pretty flimsy interpretation of the will of God. The will of God works in the precedent of God's holiness and righteousness. The will of God works in the fullness that brings all Scripture to bear in truth. The Word of God works in the character of Christ. It doesn't work in your inclination necessarily. It doesn't work necessarily in your affinities. And the biggest issue that the Christian has today is their inability to separate between soul and spirit. So what they do is they walk out allowing their soulish perceptions to bring judgment to the center of their being concerning what God's will is for their life. And you know what? That's going to hurt you. You've seen it in the churches. What they're willing to embrace from from the world. What they're willing to say is of God, which is not. This is a soulish interpretation. Maturity is dependent upon practice, on the practice of living by faith and obedience. Verse 14, but solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained, practiced to distinguish between what is morally good and evil. If you want to grow in the truth, then you must practice living to the truth. Again, the immature, easily deceived and tossed about. See, the enemy doesn't come to us dressed in horns and with a pitchfork. He comes to us sounding very righteous, very logical. He comes to us to bring us into a dependence upon our own reasoning apart from God. He didn't appear before Jesus asking him to commit a bunch of illicit sins, things that everybody knew were wrong. He appealed to Jesus with logic and reason, and he said, aren't you the son of God? Well, yes, that's absolutely true. Well, you're hungry. Why not turn these stones into bread? He forgot the larger issue. He wanted Jesus to look past the larger issue. He was hungry. He did have the capacity to turn the stones to bread. It makes all the sense in the world. He was feeling it. He had the power to do it. But Jesus responded. And here's the truth of Jesus' response. He would do nothing apart from the Father's will. He would not live in dependence upon his own power. He would not even make a discernment based on what he thought or what he felt or what he could do. 
even as the Son of God. Let's look at chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, let us get past the elementary stage and the teachings about the Christ, advancing on to maturity and perfection and spiritual completeness, doing this without laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of teaching about washing ritual purifications, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. These are all important matters in which you should have been proficient long ago. That's verses 1 and 2. Now, some of your translations will read, having left, and the author is stating a fact, not speaking of a possibility. He's saying, you have left. And remember, the author is the Spirit of God. They had left the principles of the doctrine of the teachings of Christ. They had left the principles of the oracles of God. Now, this is referring to what God had made known to them concerning his Son. Is the Spirit of God confronting them about their lack of knowledge in these areas? Is he? Is he confronting them about not having memorized those things? Is he? Is he confronting them about their proximity to the original church? Is he telling them, you know, some of you have left, you have gone to another place, you've gone to another church. Is he confronting them about that? Well, yes and no. But in truth, what he's confronting them with is the issue of the heart, the issue of the soul. They had left long before they physically departed. They had walked out and continued to keep their focus, their distance away from truth, separating themselves out. So externals begin to look better and better to them. This wasn't about physically leaving. The Spirit of God could have told them to go to another fellowship. That wouldn't have been an issue. This was about the fact that they had departed from the relationship, the intimate relationship that they'd been called to. They could, in all probability, recount everything that they had learned upon request. Did they forget? No, the issue is, for them, is that they had abandoned the truth of all that God had taught them. You see, truth is a person. Its context is an intimate relationship. It's not knowing about Jesus, it is knowing him. Ginosko, in an intimate union. The Hebrews had cast away the moment-by-moment blessing of being in Christ. They no longer looked to the Scriptures to bear witness of the relationship that they now had with Christ. They abandoned them because they were not walking in faith. They were not living in the light of His life and love. It was no longer personal. It was no longer intimate. They had lost the companion of Enoch. And they were walking according to the flesh. Maturity is found in knowing him in every moment. They had become discontented in their souls as the externals of their lives became more real to them than their union with the Spirit of God. The Greek word for perfection is teleotos, teleotos, and it means maturity. And we all know that maturity is a process that takes time. But it's not about waiting on maturity to arrive. I think many Christians are that way. 
They just kind of read through scripture. They go to the services. They may do prayer. And they're kind of waiting for maturity to arrive. And then when something hits that they don't have the capacity to understand God in it, they immediately fall apart. Well, you know, Lord, where are you in this? And they're immature in their perspective. Why? Because their approach to God is not intimate. It's not personal. It's distant. It's immature. It's infantile. So they don't understand why life hits them the way it hits them. Why they are affected by the difficulties and the hardships of life to the degree that they are. And it's because they have interpreted life wrongly. So, they were running from maturity, seeking to return to an external relationship through the practice of Judaism. The therefore of this verse looks back to the, at the last five chapters that we just went through. In view of the fact that God has spoken to us in his Son, in view of the fact of who his Son is, the Son who is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being, the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation, the perfect imprint of his Father's essence, and upholding, remember that word, and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe by his powerful word, carrying the universe along, remember that, to its predetermined goal. Now, in view of the fact that it was this son who took your sin-cursed self, that you were, that was hopelessly lost and separated from God into his bosom, into the grave, and came forth from the grave to present you a new creation made for a lifetime of intimate union with the triune God. Why, why, why would you return to an external worship? He says, let's go. Let's press on. That word press in the Greek is the word pharaoh. It means to be carried forward, to be upheld. It is the word taken to describe the progress which a ship makes when the wind hits its sails. It's a word used in Hebrews chapter 1 where it tells us that the sun upholds pharaoh and maintains and propels all things in the entire physical and spiritual universe. Let us determine to bend our will with all faith, to press forward, to take hold of him as he has taken hold of us, to be conformed in soul and action to the life of Christ, to live lives of passionate devotion to the one who has formed both heaven and earth to the glory of our God. We have spent way too much time in the doldrums of fleshy external living, too long in the shallowness of the shoreline. Let us unfurl the whole of our being to be prepared Propelled by the wind of his spirit into the deep, the depths of knowing him. That is our declaration. As I was writing these notes, I heard a song on my music feed. And as I was listening, its lines caught my attention. One little verse 
that they throw in there says, only a moment to live this life, like shooting stars burning up the night, until heaven's open and we arrive in your presence, Lord. Only a moment to live this life. Can I speculate with you a little bit? You can go and explore this through the scriptures if you want to. As I said early on, scriptures continually parallel spiritual maturity with physical or man's maturity. And as I illustrated for you earlier, a child can be operating at the fullness of their level of maturity and be in a position to disregard so much that surrounds them. Not to know or to experience so much of life. We are complete in Christ. We have been born into him in completion. We have everything that we need. But maturity is something we must desire and push forward to. Every one of us will arrive at heaven's door complete. And not a single one, whatever place they're at, will know what they're missing. But I believe that many of us will arrive at heaven's door as infants. Unable to comprehend the fullness of the glory of God. Unable to embrace the fullness of all that Christ is. Unable to know the wonder and majesty of all that He has made us to be and all that He has created on our behalf. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.